This week, PSG crash and burn out of the Champions League yet again, this time to a very composed Real Madrid side. We break down what went wrong tactically and morally for Emery's team. Then we discuss the coach's future, all two months left of it, and where the club can go from here in terms of players, managers, and transfers. I'm Dave, and this is a very somber episode of PSG Talking. Well, hello everyone to this special Funeral March edition of PSG Talking. I'm Dave, your long-lost and much-beloved host, and as we proceed towards the end of the season, we're going to try to figure out what went wrong and what we should care about for, this, for the future, for the rest of the season. I'm joined by, right now at least, uh, Guillaume, who has still no permanent claim on my job despite his best efforts, and uh, the wonderful PSG tourist, Matt. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you two doing? Um, First of all, we're obviously going to talk about the Real Madrid game. There's no sense mincing words. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm whelmed, I guess. You know, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, just whelmed. Last year, I was, like, dejected for weeks after that loss to Barcelona, but this felt much more like a whimper to me. Did you go into this optimistic, and did the game play out like you thought it would? We can start with Guillaume. Uh, no, no, not optimistic. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you you still hope for some some magic or miracle. Uh, again, it's this Real Madrid team that won two Champions League in a row, three out of four. Um, the year they didn't win, they reached the semi. They've been there. They've been there. They've done that. They are a modular team that can adapt to any opponent. Uh, they have everything. They have experience. They have drive. They have talent. They have a tradition. Uh, all we have is some talent. Um, they probably have the best lineup in the world. We don't. There was a huge hype. And, um, I mean, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm disappointed not so much by the game, but by the club, which is a much worse, if I can say so. Um, but the game was no, the game was no surprise at all. Um, that's fair. A little bit uh, more subdued than than I would have hoped for, honestly. Um, Matt, how oh, I'll, you? I'll I'll come back on that. <laughs> yeah, how about you? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I uh, pretty much similar along similar lines to to Guillaume, Really, I wasn't like massively optimistic that we'd do it. I did think that we'd win on the evening, but I didn't. If we're talking about the second leg, uh, but uh, I didn't think we'd do enough to to go through. I mean, I don't know. Really, it's it's a bit like what you said. It's Real Madrid, isn't it? I mean, I've got into a big sort of. Um, a big sort of argument with Real Madrid Twitter uh, after the game because As you know sometimes you just yeah um, sometimes you just lose to a better team and they they were just better than us on the night but at the same time you know they're like 
it's, it's a team full of good players. It's an experienced team. So, you know, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, say they're a bit better than you. And, and that's unfortunately what happened uh, on this occasion, I think. And patching in now is Louis, a surprise entrant. We didn't start with him, but we've got him now just in time. Uh, Louis, we were just talking about the Real Madrid game. It just started uh, mentioning that last year I was dejected for a, for a real long time after Barcelona, but this, this one was a much more whimpering defeat. I was asking if you personally went into this match optimistic and if the game played out like you thought it would. Um, I think I went... I could have gone into it very optimistically because... Um, there was, of course, there was, there was more pressure on PSG this time than against Barcelona. But I, I, I don't know how, but I, I just feel like this game was just more set up to be pessimistic. So it was, it was less set up to be pessimistic, and yet I still, you know, I just, I didn't feel confident. There was always a nagging voice in the back of my head, like, "There's no chance on earth. The gap, the gap here between these two clubs is just insurmountable." And I, I wasn't confident going into it. And it was just, you know, it was PSG was just confirming my my prejudices there. The, the the way they played, just every time, just kept on being let down. There was no final product. There was never any final product. Nobody really gave, gave any concrete, dangerous uh, opportunities to the club. And I mean, as you say, like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, heartbreaking. It wasn't anything like that. It was just plain and simple disappointing. Like you know, you you know, they could do better. Just let down. Right. Well, that was possibly the most depressing introduction to <laughs> a podcast we've ever had. Well, if you was... get to the next game, I'm very happy about that one. I mean, we, was... we're being realistic, really, yeah, I think. It's, 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 it's hard, guys. it's harsh, it's a reality check, but we're, we're being realistic. Yeah, there was um, barely any chance. I think as well, as fans, you're always sort of, or I am anyway, I'm always pessimistic. I always think like the worst is, you always fear the worst is going to happen. And unfortunately, in that second leg, everything which people always say about PSG, all the sort of negative stereotypes sort of came to pass. They, there wasn't the, you know, the tempo and the sort of, there didn't seem to be the will to win there. We were just quite passive and Mayo yeah. just absolutely did the job on us. And, uh, you know, it just reinforced, sadly, all the stereotypes which people are like, her, her, PSG spend all the money and they're still rubbish, her, her, her. It's like, it's just frustrating and depressingly predictable. So I, I know what you're saying, Dave, in, in the sense that it was less traumatic this year because of the circumstances. But in a way, it was more disappointing because, like, if you could have written a script for how a bad PSG game goes, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so, I don't know, <laughs> just a bit depressing. Well, so we've hit the emotional notes. Um, if we can get into a bit more nitty-gritty. Um, on the day, what do you think went wrong tactically? Do you, do you put it on on the tactics? Um, did Emery start the right team? Was his man management on? Uh, how much of the blame do you put on him versus the players? We can go right around with uh, Guillaume again. So I, I don't think tactically it was per se wrong. But it was the wrong choice of tactics. I'm contradicting myself in one sentence. Um, Emery is under so, so much pressure that he went one way that could keep somewhat a little bit of hope up. So he, he asked uh, Di Maria and Mbappe to stick on their wings, which is why we never saw Carjaval. Um, I mean, Madrid's fullbacks, as we did see them during the first leg, because they were busy containing our two wingers that time, or forwards were wingers, 
um, and they stayed there. They never cut in, never. And that's clearly Emery's instructions. Um, so then the midfield never did what they, 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 they had been doing for, um, for weeks, for months, which is uh, not playing on the same line anymore. So you, would, you see Verratti coming up, someone compensates for, for him, covers him, and maybe one of the three midfielders comes with him and they have a, uh, an exchange of passes and they try to create something, go in between the lines. That did not happen. So how are we going to score a goal against Real Madrid like this? Well, we're not. We're just not going to. But at the same time, we are um, we're solid. There's no intensity. There's no, uh, nothing is, nothing's happening. So we come back at halftime uh, with a, a no, no score. Well, a couple of world-class saves by Areola because it's Real Madrid. But, you know, hopes, there's still some hope. No, there's not. There's no hope. Um, if we don't play the, the, the way we play, uh, we're not going to score. And uh, um, if we play the way we play, well, maybe there's a little hope now because if we score early and 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 there's freedom for Mbappe and and Di Maria and somewhat uh, in in Rabiot's head, two and two equal four, and he's 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 waking up and 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 playing that game, and and doing some box to boxing, and we're gonna score and we're taking huge risks, but now there's a hope. There was no freaking hope playing the way we played, just like, you know, oh, um, huge luck, like a, a dead ball situation or corner kick. Somehow, Cavani is going to beat Real Madrid central defense on a header. Yeah, chances are 0.3%. But he went, he went that way. Um, so it's debatable, but that's not the way. Nobody wanted to go that way. No, no fans, no, I mean, that that's a big... Um, that, that, that was a big flop. So, in a way, tactically, you know, it's debatable, but I think more in emotionally, uh, Emery's tactics completely killed the game. Um, all right. Well, a lot to unpack there. Matt, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I sort of, I, I, I totally get where you're, you're coming from, Guillaume, but I think Emery was a bit sort of damned if he did and damned if he didn't in that sense, because if he'd gone all guns blazing, and we'd, we were 2 0 down after like the first 20 minutes, and then we ended up getting, you know, done like 4 or 5 0, then that would have been embarrassing as well. So, I, it, again, it, it comes down to the fact that Real Madrid are better than us, so it's quite difficult to beat a team that are better than you. Sure. Uh, so, on that level, I sort of understood what he was doing. And when I saw the lineup, I sort of thought, oh, actually, this isn't a bad idea putting Motta in, Motta and Verratti sort of access. Obviously slows everything down, but it gives you a sort of a more solid base to go on. And even at half time, I was like, "Okay, it's still nil nil. We're still in this. This is basically from the situation we're in. This the first half's probably gone okay because they haven't scored, and now it's up to us to like take the game by the scruff of the neck. But uh, clearly, we didn't do that. So I was hoping for a bit of change of pace, change of tempo. And I think what that highlighted was that what we've seen from Emery over the last sort of eighteen months which is that in-game changes really aren't his forte. Just in terms of tactics or personnel, he never seems very, um, you know, uh, very assertive, very sort of positive about, you know, changing things up. And I think that was the really disappointing bit because 
I was still sort of reasonably optimistic at halftime, like that we could we could take a step on if we got the first goal. Then you know it could have been a completely different story, but obviously it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, no, I, I kind of share the sentiment, especially at halftime. I mean, that was kind of our best phase of the first half. Came right on the brush of halftime, so you know the the, yeah. the time played against the team there. Um, yeah. Can you round us out? So I mean, yeah, first of all, at halftime, I think I think halftime. Uh, not only as a, as a coach myself now, I know I know that how important the halftime can be to to get the team either you know keep keep motivation going after a good end to the first half. Or just change the plan. Emery didn't either. I, I don't know if he showed up at all in the locker room or not, because there was there was a lack of everything coming out into the second half. There was, yeah, it was abysmal. And I think on the game as a whole, there were only a few things that he could have done better. Um, Guillaume, you you really pointed out really well about how how he asked the wingers to uh, to stay wide as to you know minimize the danger. But that's that's where I think he could have made the difference because against teams like Bayern. And honestly, just in games where PSG play really well, opposition hard or not, the really good thing is that they can move the ball fast in possession because they would have a numerical superiority in midfield. How do they do that? They have the three midfielders and they drag in and they drag in one of the two wingers so that there's, you know, there's, of course, more PSG players than there are opposition midfielders. And you have two options being the other winger and Kevin need to you know, play the ball forwards. And you would move the ball around the back line to get to a side where there's less players as to have, you know, as to maintain that numerical superiority. But by playing a pure front three, by keeping Mbappe and Di Maria glued to their wingers, there was no chance in hell of doing that. All three, all three attackers were stuck to the offside line. The midfielders could do nothing but rotate the ball amongst themselves, which was obviously going to get poached off any any time any of the midfield back line, any of the any time of the Real Madrid back line decided to peel off to go for a loose ball. And it, there, there was just no there was no through ball, you know, that last ball to launch an attack because Birgit play possession football and fine as a big club, you should be able to do that well. But there was the, the tactics weren't well set up for that there were the wrong players for that. I, I still think, you know, putting in Muta was a great idea if he had played Muta well. He played Muta here in the wrong role, a role that Les Nadia would have been built for because Les over Muta, I think the only advantage he has over Muta is, is better ball carrying, ball at his feet. Uh, Muta has better ball distribution, Les Nadia has better ball carrying. And it, had he put Diara there, because the, the, the six in this case being Muta operating sort of in the should we say the middle, the sort of the last, the, the second to last quarter of the pitch? So between the halfway line and the sixer and the uh, the penalty box, he was just rotating around, waiting for a ball to pass it along. Whereas Lesson Adiara could have, you know, switched off, uh, could have uh, played a one two with Rabio Verratti or could have moved the ball more, you know, moved the ball more efficiently with his feet. And that's the thing. All, all the players were just stuck to their positions. There was no movement to get to, you know, to force Real Madrid into an error. So tactically speaking, of course, he was, you know, close to having it right, but you're just wide of the mark. And of course, you know, I'm just going to ask, just for the sake of it, say that Munir should have played because, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, my Twitter handle is, is Munirist. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree with that um, fairly wholeheartedly. And in terms of, you know, forcing an opponent to make, an, to make a mistake, that that happens kind of on its own with a lot of these poor league on sides. Whereas, you know, in, in the champions league, who's going to, you know, add that inventiveness. It's, it's Neymar. And the team was not, um, mm. not equipped to add, add a spark from Mbappe or Di Maria. You know, Mbappe is not very 
used to being the primary creator on the left wing and Di Maria, you know. Everybody's so hot on Di Maria, but the the big names come. You rascal. You've been waiting for that I told you so since January, haven't you? Oh, it's yeah. my vindication. I'm with Dave on this. I'm with Dave on this. Uh, whatever. Whatever, Dave. <laughs> anyway, that was a good transition uh, into individual performances, um, <laughs> which is kind of the last big aspect of, of Real Madrid, because this is just kind of a deflating conversation. Um so who individually stood out to you guys? Did anyone do themselves justice? Um, are there any players, on, on the other hand, who, whose role in the team should be reevaluated? Uh, Di Maria certainly came in on hot form, but delivered little. And Marco Verratti, this is not a conversation I'd like to have, but it's one that should be ha- held. Uh, it's responsible for yet another Champions League red card. So what are your thoughts on those, on those individual performances? And I'd, I'd like to, this wasn't what I wrote down, but I'd also like to bring up the goalkeeper question. Um, and Guillaume, we'll start with you. Sure. Well, Areola had a uh, solid game, really, really, really solid game. He kept us alive. Um, and at that level, considering the pressure and everything, it's a very positive sign. I think uh, Verratti actually had a very good game too. He was the only one on par with the, 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 the level required, demanded for this game. Um, he blew it, 66 minutes, uh, got a second yellow. For bullshit reasons, but um, before that, when you compare his um, performance with the other two fellows in the, in midfield, yeah, uh, wow. Um, so Verratti did his job. I think um, Silva and and Marquinhos performed. Silva seems to always perform the same way at the same level. No, there's. Thiago Silva's way of playing, he delivered, but he, he didn't, th- there was no added value. Uh, he's done that very rarely. He's done that in Chelsea with a, you know, his famous header after, after um, completely messing up with a handball in, in the square. So no added value from Silva, but he, he delivered. Marquinhos learned a lot during this game. Um... I'm, I'm going to have to talk about bad performances because that's about, I think that's about it. Um, Alves had absolutely no reason whatsoever to, to have a bad game because he was not under a lot of pressure um, on the pitch. I'm not t- talking about stress. I'm talking about actual pressure from the op- opposition. It wasn't overwhelming. They were waiting for us. They were solid. They were uh, bullying us a bit, but it wasn't, you know, an absurd uh, amount of, of threat on his wing. And he had an awful performance. Uh, but for me, the most amazingly poor performance, and I'm still, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, is Rabiot. Rabiot had an abysmal game. Mm. At no point he was where he, 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 he should have been needed doing the, the thing he should have been doing. He lost duels. He, he, he was a ghost during this game. So already we have a midfield that's in trouble in League One. I against... just want to point out about Rabiot quickly. Yeah. I don't know if you, you guys, your TV pointed to this, but on Bein, when I was watching it here, they, I think 20 minutes into the game, Rabiot kept sticking to Verratti, like within a meter of Verratti, which is obviously not what you want to move the ball around. No. And the camera just pointed to Verratti, just shouting at Rabiot, like, get off me. 
I mean, immediately we knew that there was a theme. You know, the the Real Madrid's constrictor boa smothering us. The passing game is going to be difficult. So what you need to do, box to box, you need you need that powerful guy grabbing the ball and and try to run through Real Madrid's midfield. Then then there's a slight unbalancing of that defense that's going to happen. They may be slightly destabilized, and now our wingers can cut in. And now something's happening. He never did it. Never, ever did it. I don't know what happened to Rabiot. So already when you have a, uh, you know, a grandfather who's a great passer of the game but does not have the intensity to, to make a difference, and a midget uh, next to you and... and and you're having this abysmal game. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, was, that was the, the Coupe de Gras. Uh, Cavani had a terrible game, but, um, I mean, uh, uh, Ramos Varane, <laughs> unbelievable central defense. They, they put him in, in their pocket um, during the first leg, even more um, during this game. Um, and, you know, and we can blame Mbappé and, and Di Maria, but they were completely isolated. There was no link-up with our midfield. The Emery's uh, instructions were, I think, wrong to have them stick on their wings. So, yeah, mainly um, Adrien Rabiot and uh, Danny Alves. Wrong, bad performances. And uh, Verratti and Areola, good performances. That's so far from what we needed for this game. I mean, like eons for the whole team should have been on, on the, on the best display to have a slight chance. So there. I, I mean, Alves has not shown anything in 2018. I mean, anything at all, whether it's domestic no. or continental play. And it, it it's, it's a wonder that he keeps starting. I mean, Munier had a hell of a game against yeah. Mets. I mean, he could have used some of that, uh, that physicality, that invention uh, on the right side. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on uh, individual performances? <laughs> yeah, um, well, first of all, I think on Danny Alves, quickly, I mean, it isn't a wonder that he keeps starting, is it? Because this is one of the problems with PSG in the sense that these guys seem to run the club like these big, the, the, the big players seem to right. kind of do what yeah. they like. And, um, you know, that, there's no reason, apart from that he's called Danny Alves, there's no reason that he's in the team right now, is there? Like like you say, he's just been poor. Like I'm not sure if it's entirely his fault because he's played like a lot more games than I thought he would. And he seems to play in a lot of these like smaller games. And I just think, what's, what's the point? What are we doing here? Like, Munier's really good. Uh, we need Danny Alves for the big occasions. That's supposedly why we got him. And yet we still like send him trotting out like some, you know, farmer team uh, to, uh, you know, uh, expensive energy. But anyway, yeah, he was really poor and I was really disappointed with the, with the fullbacks in general. I think um, as, uh, as Guillaume very eloquently put it, I think Ramos and Varane over the two legs were both amazingly solid. Unbelievable. Uh, and, um, we were trying to go through the middle of them all the while and it just wasn't working and the guys on the wings were isolated and you've got to have the fullbacks joining in. You've got to create an overload and try and pull Real Madrid out of shape a little bit and we just didn't do that at all while sort of simultaneously looking particularly vulnerable in our own fullback areas, particularly down the right. And I was like, how, how is this working? Uh, so I was really disappointed with Alves. 
Bershish, uh, well, to a lesser extent, just because he's not as good as he. So, you know, <laughs> it, he, he, he was probably doing his best, but he wasn't very good either. Um, yeah, Aviola was good. Um, I think that hopefully these two games will be the making of him. I mean, I've always been quite a defender of his. And uh, given that we're probably going to be a bit hamstrung by FFP this summer, I kind of hope we don't go and spend a lot of money on a goalkeeper because I think he's still very young and he has potential. And if he can right. eradicate the errors, uh, I think he's got the potential to be PSG number one. And then we've got money to play with in other areas of the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I, other than that, no one really covered themselves in glory. Um, I just wanted to say on, on Verratti quickly, I think he did play well and um, he definitely looked the most likely to make something happen. But it was just such a stupid red card. It was just like, this is like the sort of caricature of Verratti. What on earth are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you getting in the referee's face? I know you're frustrated, but just don't do it. Like, have you not got a brain? I was so, so angry with him. And I think is, you know, he's, does anyone think that he's a better player than he was when he first joined us when he was 18 and he came into that team and nobody really knew who he was. And he was basically dribbling the ball out from his own penalty box and playing these amazing passes. A still sort of pugnacious Italian guy who didn't give a shit. Like, does anyone think he's better now, like sort of five or six years on? Because I, I mean, he might be a bit better, but I don't think he's significantly better. And I think it's a big sort of it's a big thing this summer. What do we do with him? Do we cash in on him? Because if you keep him, he's going to be the fulcrum of the midfield and. You know, it hasn't got us very far so far, has it? So I think it's a real... I mean, I love. I think he's a great player, but he doesn't seem to be improving. He doesn't seem to be getting over the things which he's not good at. And if he can't do that, then he starts to become a liability at some point. Yeah, he's, he's a caricature. He's a caricature for sure, not just of his of his of his, his person, but of his nationality. But um, I think you're right. I think you're right to say he's plateaued, and part of it is is that he seems like such a system player. Um, I mean, not to not to run that term into the ground because it gets thrown a lot thrown around a lot nowadays. But it, it do- certainly seems like Verratti plays to the level of his midfield teammates. Um, even if you look at his play with the national team, um, he's he's a player that needs a certain kind of um, space and a certain kind of style played around him. Um, and otherwise he, he tries to do too much. You know, you still see five or six years on, like you said, you still see moments where he clings to the ball so damn much and, and, you know, goes, goes for passes on his own terms. Um, so that's a good, that, that's, that's certainly a point that needs to be made. Um, regarding his future. Also, Ariola, uh, I I'm sort of in your camp as well. That I think spending a hundred mil on a goalkeeper would be it, it's it's a risky use of money for a, a position that is notoriously capricious. Um, we there are other places that need priority reinforcement. Anyway, Louis, I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, I mean, there's nothing much to add. Uh, Guillaume and, and Matt really went through everyone in detail. I think. I don't want to criticize Cavani because he didn't he didn't get many touches of the ball and that wasn't necessarily his fault because there was a lot of I, I just want to point out there was a lot of shifting between center backs for Cavani and it was really interesting to see because normally you know being a striker he's going to pick on the on the worst quote unquote center back even you know here you have a choice between Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane it's not Great. the easiest decision on earth. Uh, <laughs> but normally you know you pick on the on the, on the most difficult center back and it was just strange because 
he kept losing header after header against Varane, always Varane, when there were crosses in. And he kept losing duel after duel against Ramos when Nick Pass came to his feet. So I'm just wondering, who was he, who was he sticking to? Did he get no instructions from Emery? Did he not make up his mind? Where was, what, what, what was going on there? Because, I mean, I don't think he had a bad game. I just, I just think he, was, he seemed a bit lost in what he was doing. And I'm just a bit disappointed by that. Because otherwise, I mean, there's not much to bring out. I'd love to talk about more players, but obviously, Emery being Emery, he didn't make any fucking substitutions, did he? <laughs> um, I mean, I want to talk, talk about Draxler. Did Draxler come on? Did he? I mean, did he? No. I don't even remember if he came on. Yeah, I got to be honest, I don't remember either. Because he must be one of them 85, no, no. 85th minute. It was, oh, I remember the last sub was, oh, no, was no, Diara. No, no, no. It was Diara. Oh, it was Pastore oh, came on. Diara uh, came on at the 85th. And uh, Draxler came on at the 77th for Di Maria. Okay. When did Pastore come on? Pastore was about around the hour mark, wasn't it? Or it was just oh, after they we, scored. I guys, we, we, we have to talk about Pastore. I was about to say, <laughs> he was oh my Pastore. God. Okay. What? We talked about movement earlier, right? That 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 this is him. What the hell happened to Javier Pastore? <laughs> Coming in, not running, wondering what's going on. What's this? It's Javier. It's a it's a football game. Oh, okay, okay. Um, who are these people? They they are the fans, and that's the Parc des Princes. Oh, great! Yeah, this is great. That's a ball. Can you kick it? Ah, I don't know. It hurts a bit. Okay, Javier. <laughs> that was Pastore's coming in. Okay, out. Hey, he created out. a couple chances. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> bye. That was him. And we had yeah. 10 men. What do you want? Uh, oh, yeah, we have 10 men. We play, <laughs> we <had> 10 <laughs> fucking men, better man. when we have 10 men. Don't you know that? It's a known fact. Actually, we kind of started playing better with, with 10 men, too. It, it, again. Oh, because Pastore came on. <laughs> oh. Where were we? I, I don't know why he subbed on Giara. I just don't get it. Yeah, that was hilarious. His last fucking <laughs> possibly the last fucking sub of his career. And he says, Lasana Diara for Mbappe. That's my He knows he's completely screwed. Fuck you, fans. Fuck you, ultras. Yeah. Yeah, if there's someone, something in common about the game, it was the fans because they were absolutely, absolutely terrific for 90 oh, minutes plus. Fabulous. Like, Amazing. It looked really oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, um, one quick point talking about Cavani. Um, if you compare, and you know, we all love him and he's got these amazing runs, but he had Varane on the run. I mean, Varane's job on Cavani. If you if you can watch the game again and there's some you know gifs on on the internet, is unbelievable job by Varane, completely understanding Cavani's movement, anticipating them, being faster, being strong, oh, unbelievable. But when you compare Cavani's style and level of play with two other strikers that played this uh, round of sixteen, Harry Kane and Higuain. That hurts for uh, Dinson. I mean, Higuain had a phenomenal game against Tottenham. Uh, he did all he could, and what he could he was turning the game around with this incredible control um, and assist uh, for uh, Dybala. 
Kane, uh, Kane, same thing in the, in the construction of, of attacking phases was a, a key element. We can't have that with Cavani, and um, that can be okay against a team not as strong as Real Madrid. Uh, not, not against Real Madrid, especially when we miss Neymar. Well, um, I think we're about at the halfway mark, uh, so let's transition. Uh, real quick here from the existential moment to uh, to the future. Uh, so what do we do with everything we just talked about? We've had a spattering of domestic games, and <laughs> it's basically certain that Emery's on his way out either now or later. Should we just give him the boot now and let somebody else take over ASAP? Uh, who should that person be? And how does that new manager fit in with the players we have? Right now, of course, the big rumors are Antonio Conte, Mauricio Pochettino, a spattering of Carlo Ancelotti here and there, and some outside names like Maurizio Sarri and uh, Andre Villas-Boas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way. So, I thought he was retired. Has he got a rally car to drive or something? Yeah. AVB is my pick for the job, by the way. That's my hot take. <laughs> Not actually. It's sorry. Anyway, gave that away. So, uh, Guillaume, go ahead. Um, we shouldn't fire Emery because we would have to pay money for that. Why don't we let him um, uh, miserably out crawl out of this club in June? <laughs> I used to be a big fan. I mean, I'm sorry. It's fucking unacceptable. The, the, he's, he's, um, he's behaving like an employee of the club, uh, overwhelmed by pressure and... And uh, I don't know where to start. Um, this game, I mean, come on. We need a, we need a, a, there's a lot of great technicians out there. And he's one of them. There's no doubt. He has absolutely zero charisma. And this team needs a, a coach with charisma. So everybody's saying we need a coach with, um, uh, you know, Champions League uh, uh, rings, victories. Well, not necessarily. I mean, they all started winning a Champions League one day, and you know, uh, it can happen to uh, to very good coaches like uh, like Puck at, at at Spurs, which I, I would love to see um, at the helm. Um, but for the for the rest of the season, I mean, there's a World Cup coming up, so now it's <laughs> the players are going to walk the rest of the season, pretend they care. Wait, Neymar's going to do that, isn't he? Uh, Neymar is literally going to walk because you know he's, yeah. he's got a big injury. Um, the World Cup's coming up. Nobody cares. Uh, that'd be great if we actually lose a Coupe de la Ligue against Monaco, which is the only game that matters coming up. Um, ah, Monaco uh, dans Coupe de France final, huh? Against uh, Mosh, Mosh les grands clapiers or <laughs> Chatouille les aisselles. Yeah, no. Because there's two it's, national clubs in the other side. Yes, we're going to get a national amazing. club. That'd be, that'd, be the, that'd be great. That'd be great if they beat us. Uh, <laughs> no, the end of the season is, is probably the least interesting end of season in these past six years. I mean, yeah. who cares? Who cares? We, we keep our fingers crossed that, you know, everybody's going to go to the World Cup. Um, now they have plenty of time to prepare it. And uh, it's going to be a great World Cup. That's the end of the season. Yay for the World Cup. Mm. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And G- Neymar, I mean, that's that's if if he plays again for us this season, then it's going to okay. be a, it's going to be fitness training. 
That's it. On the other hand, hey, Coupe de France final. Maybe Nkunku scores the uh, the winner. You know, makes himself a little bit. Can we play Nkunku as a winger for the for the for the bloody Coupe de France final? Because that's his position. That is his natural position. Yeah. Or hey, give, give put Way on. Let him score the winner. Or I'm not too keen on Way on. Lose the lose the Coupe de France final. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Matt, go ahead. Okay, um, I'm not enjoying this sort of new, like, downcast version of Guillaume. It's very, uh, it's very sort of uh, destabilizing for me. It's usually, you know, the voice of uh, the voice of positivity. Um, <laughs> well, just wait, because my it's last question is, who do, who do PSG need to buy in the summer? And I think we're going to get some volume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think we've uh, I think we've got the best is ahead of us still. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, Emery, just leave. Like, I'll just get rid of him now. I don't really see. Everybody knows he's going to leave in the summer. What's the point of keeping him around for a couple more months? We might as well have, like, two months of, like, Maxwell or uh, Zumana Camera in charge just for sort of, uh, you know, morale reasons. It just cheer everyone up. Even if they're rubbish, it'll be funny. Um, we're going to win the league anyway. We'll probably win the cups as well. I mean, like you say, there's not much riding on it. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really see what what we're achieving keeping Emery around when everybody knows it's, it's over for him. Um, in terms of replacement, I mean, I'm still pinning my hopes on Jeremy Menez, player manager. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> he's, he's in Mexico. We can probably get him back. You know, hanging out That's with Chiliak. Uh Just come back, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out the anyway. Mexico. I mean, it's been all downhill <laughs> since with Gignac. With Gignac. <laughs> <laughs> Gignac sitting his third last night. Did you see the goal? Did you see the goal? Oh, it's amazing. Amazing oh goal for It was really oh good. Jezza, did, Jezza has scored a goal since he's been there. <laughs> it was a good one from outside the box. But anyway, um, in all seriousness, um, I'm cut. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, sort of Conte doesn't really excite me. I think it'd be all right, but oh. I'm not like. This is this is the problem. None of the none of the names that have been floated around uh, sort of really get my pulse racing. I think if I was going to choose, I'd either see if Ancelotti wanted to come back, or maybe see if we could get Allegri away from Juventus. Because you look at that Juve game against Spurs the other night; it's they're literally the anti PSG. Like they were sort of absolutely second best for like the vast majority of those two legs, but they still knew what they had to do to win. That's the story of the still... road to the last Champions League finals, by the way. Well, yeah, let's not maybe not talk about that bit. But I mean, to be honest, we'd all take a Champions League final now, right? Even if we got tonked in the, there when we got there. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, Pochettino. I think Pochettino is probably the best sort of like long term choice, and obviously being an ex player as well, I think that's a nice link. But. I'm also sort of conscious that he hasn't won anything with Spurs yet, and as good as Spurs are, and everybody's like, yada yada, playing nice football, blah blah, develop the players, all that stuff is great. But is he going to get time to do that at PSG? Is he going to get three years of not winning a trophy, or you know, or winning the French, winning some domestic trophies, and not making progress in Europe? Uh, I'm just not sure that that's really what we need at the moment. It's sort of we seem to be going in cycles because that is what I thought we needed when we appointed Emery. But now, having had two years of that, I kind of think the club's just not set up that way. So we need to sort of embrace what we are and we need a guy who who can bring sort of instant results. And I think that's got to be someone with a bit more sort of experience. 
Um, Louis, do you want to close us out there? I mean, I, I guess we'll come back to uh, who's every, who everybody's pick is. It's not very definitive right now. Well, I mean, I can start with a pick, and his, his name is very simple. He's, he's, been, he's been coaching in Ligue 1 for as long as we can remember. He That's has played goal. for an immense seven clubs in a glorious career where he scored 13 goals for FC Brest Amorique. The man hails from Unmas and he's 1 meter 72. He's none other than Pascal Dupraz. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, no, uh, if, in all seriousness, I want to. I if, if Guillaume gets to be pessimistic, then so can I. Um, I think that's, if, if we're going to be as realistic as possible, right? PSG, if, if they don't win the Champions League before the Qatar World Cup, then, then there won't be any more money injections. There will be enough to keep it afloat and then to set it on. But there won't be any more money injections. That the, the Qataris will see no point. The point was the point of investing in Bijou was showing they were serious about football ahead of hosting the World Cup. If they can't win the Champions League, then they don't really care. Um, so if the goal is winning the world, is winning the Champions League within the next three seasons, right? Before the next, uh, within the next four seasons, if my math is correct, math is correct. Yeah. Before the, I think so. Yeah, within, within the next four. Four years World Cup. Yes, before twenty twenty two, within the next four seasons, then what do they have to do? Um, personally, I think that I think Bayern have shown us what they have to do here, right? Bayern they they screwed up big time with signing Ancelotti. What do they do? They got Japanicus. They got somebody who is not spectacular, who probably won't win the Champions League, who said himself he won't win the Champions League, who said himself he's staying for a year and he's only doing it because the club needs to stabilize. So get some Bayern's Japanicus, which is in all likelihood is probably. Somebody like um, Carlo Ancelotti or somebody like Thomas Tuchel or, you know, somebody who isn't necessarily an exciting manager, isn't necessarily a project manager, just somebody who knows how to keep egos, how to keep egos in check and who knows how to play football on a regular basis. And then for a year, keep Nas- I-, I love Nasser Al-Khalifi so much. This guy is, is a great face for the club, OK, but keep him shut up for a year because this guy sells big. This guy, when he talks about the club, he says, yes, 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 of course, this year is our year. He's, he's great. He's a fantastic, you know, he's a fantastic rousing orator. But but I think for at least a year, for at least two years, we should keep him under locks, make intelligent signings, really go. There was there was the restructuring phase of last year. And then we beat Barcelona and everyone and everyone's like, oh, we can really do it. This year could maybe be our year. You know, Ibrahimovic is gone. Emery is in. We could maybe do it in one year. And we completely flopped. We lost it in the league. We collapsed at the Camp Nou. And this year, same thing, we bought Neymar and everyone, especially NASA, was like, guys, guys, let's be serious. We're, we're the best team in Europe. Come on. And, and we flopped again. And this is where I think that if, if we're serious about winning this within four years, then let's get our heads down. That's what a serious club would do. Get our heads down, hire a, hire a serious coach, keep the press to a minimum, win the Ligue 1, go out on the quarterfinals of the Champions League, whatever. Get the appropriate depth and maybe hire a new medical staff because there's a surprising amount of injuries, to be honest. And they and there you go. Within within once that inter, I, I say quote unquote interim manager has, has spent his time at the club, give the new manager quote unquote a, a season or two uh, to to adjust the players to his playing style and adjust the club right. to his style of you know football. And then you should be able to win the Champions League. A club has to be everyone has to be in the same project. Everyone has to be in the same boat. This was not the case. At the moment, there are three boats. There is the administration of the club, there is Emery, and there are the players. We need to we need to find a way to get our heads down and make a serious club. 
Right. No, yeah. I think I think it's a very good point saying that we lack a coherent vision, and that's part of the reason that I don't think aiming for Pochettino is the right move. Um, if you look at I, so I'm a, a Spurs. I, I follow Spurs. I'm not going to say I'm a Spurs fan because obviously I'm a PSG PSG fan, but I'm American, so I need an English team. Otherwise, I'm just some kind of weird recluse. Um, <laughs> So that that team for me is is Spurs, and if you look at what Pochettino talks about constantly, um, it's a the allure of the Premier League and b the allure of the project. Um, so he sold players that are, especially when he got to the club, he sold players that were nominally bigger than him um, at the time. He was just a Southampton coach, so there wasn't, um, you know, the, the, he he didn't come in with a lot of clout. Uh, and he's, you know, he has a, a fairly zero tolerance policy for breaching like the club ethos. Uh, we don't really have a club ethos. Our dressing room is run by the players. Um, we've we've pretty much established this. So it, I I feel like there's a lot of there's a there's a conflict of interest there that it's hard to get over. And I can't imagine why this job would be attractive to Pochettino. Whereas at Spurs, regardless of what he does, he's worshipped as the man who's getting them consistent top four. <laughs> playing attractive football the entire english media eats pochettino loves him just loves pochettino i mean this guy is he's he because he makes so many young english players go to the world cup they he's treated like a superstar in england why would he come to france to be eaten alive by a club that whose players are going to resent his approaches um an outside bet would be tuchel as well because he has a history of offending the board and our board has you know our, our board is hard to offend and, and stay afloat. See, see Hatem Ben Arfa as an example of what happens when you offend the board. Um, at least according to journalistic reports. But, you know, Jonathan Johnson thinks it's credible, and I, I think James is a good guy. <laughs> so, yeah, there's not an easy answer there. For me, it's, it's you look at Serie A, you look at Maurizio Sarri or uh, Massimiliano Allegri, you, you know, they are both pl- people who could be, I think, theoretically attracted by, you know, the promise of, like, a lot of funds and a fresh start um, because they've both been kind of there for, for a while. Um, and... Those would bring in like a coherent idea. Uh, as for Antonio Conte, I think all of you are fairly lukewarm about him. I I'm glad to see that. Um, I you know Mark Damon, who does our our small talk, is is very hot on Conte, and he. I mean, I don't know if you see if you've seen Manchester City Chelsea, and you see the way that that team is managed. He buys two strikers to play the target man and play ha- plays Hazard as a false nine. I just can't imagine him coming to our squad, which has so many recruitment issues and so many holes in the in depth. And I I don't think that it would end well, especially with Neymar, who's not gonna who's not gonna be so happy to play with left wing back, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, Neymar has played left wing back against PSG. That is also one of the only games that he's lost <laughs> at against PSG. Um, okay, so we can move on from that. Um, Munya can play wing back. That's true. Well, Munya can play anywhere. Munya yeah, can true. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Munya is <perfect. laughs> uh, so the, the the problem with the squad is, like I just said, it's we all write and we say, okay, we have dre- Deadwood and Droves. They're overpaid aging players. Players that don't play. We need to get rid of the Deadwood and bring in new players. So my question now is: Look at the squad in its totality. What is Deadwood? What does that mean to you? Who is disposable to a new manager? Because we're getting a new manager. Guys like Alves aren't earning their place yet still start. We know why. Kurzawa doesn't even make the squad. Neither Mata nor Diara are clearly totally working right now. 
Verratti has an issue. Rabio has issues positionally. Um, Cavani, even as Guillaume said, is uh, where is his contribution to build up? And when you don't have Neymar in, how do you compensate for that? Because with Neymar, fine, give him the ball. But how do you compensate for Cavani when when Neymar is not there? Um, and we don't have anyone, clearly. I mean, we could have tried Draxler, but we don't have anyone who, who can really fill the ball. So th- who do you see on their way out if 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 and when a new manager comes in? Who, how do you evaluate who leaves? Uh, Guillaume, you're up. Well, I mean, there's two different things here. It's what I want and what's going to happen. But, um, I mean, Pastore's coming in was like a message to everybody. Uh, maybe he wasn't fully con- conscious of it but that's it he can't that's it we can't we can't keep Javier Pastore it, it, we love him but it, that's it we need to turn the page there is dead wood there's more than just dead wood there's massive structural issues in the team and oh it's me talking about the lack of midfield quality again um, well, he's a midfielder, he's been a glass cannon, he's a genius, he's done the most amazing assists I've ever seen, but that's not enough, and that's Chihuahua. Pastore is out. Di Maria is reaching an age where, you know, and has such a salary, and uh, he's been decisive, what, once against Barca um, last season, that was great. Um, time to go. Um, Mota, um, I think it's the game against um, Madrid was the official failure of the Mota years at Paris Saint-Germain. It never worked out. The mota Verati thing worked um, in Ligue 1, sure. Asserted dominance in midfields in Ligue 1, not, not on a European level. He's 36 years old. Um, I, I always really enjoyed um, Mota as a player, as a man, Ooh, as a vice captain, but that's it. He's got to go too. Um, now, Verratti, ah, if a huge offer arises for Verratti, I think we should let him go. He's a great player, but I think with the Rockets we have up front, he's may, maybe not the type of profile we need in the midfield. We need. Um, a direct style of play to to supply or um, or, or two or three upfronts, and he doesn't do that really really well. He tends to slow down the game. But hey, he's still young. He's a brilliant midfielder. He could stay. There's no way Rabiot can be a starter at Paris Saint Germain for the big games yet. He's proven that sometimes he can step up and have amazing games, but you cannot have an abysmal game at that level. You can have an average game. He didn't have an average game. Completely lost it. He's missing something. He's barely a French international. Um, he probably will go to the World Cup because Deschamps loves his versatility. But in sheer quality, um, he's shown that, yeah, he can deliver. But he's shown also that, yeah, he cannot deliver. He needs to bonify a bit and learn. He's still very young. He's great in the rotation, uh, on the bench, and you know he can start a few games, but not at that level. We need a whole new midfield, um, basically. A midfield that can compete with top teams. And we never really had that. Maybe one year when Matridi had three lungs, Mota wasn't injured, 
Um, we had a few really impressive games in the Champions League when we played against uh, Madrid in Madrid, which we lost. Um, a victory against uh, Barcelona. Our midfield was really, I mean, Matridi was was quite amazing. We never went back to that level, and without a performing um, Champions League grade midfield, next season we'll run through the same issues again. Um, so. Here we are. Hopefully, the new coach, whoever it is, I think we should add possibly Jardim to that list. I think he, oh, he, yeah, he has what it takes. Yeah. Um, if we have uh, a midfield that can compete physically, mentally, technically, and that's not rocket science. It's a lot of money, sure. But a guy like Kante, a guy like... Uh, if Conte comes with Conte, I really like Conte. Um, a guy like... And of course, Fabinho. I mean, watch again Fabinho and his direct style of play, and his physicality, his his, his speed, his height. He's a, he's got the perfect profile for this team. So we replace the Deadwood. We get a midfield, and um, now we're talking. And and like Louis said, we go low key. We 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 calm down our Twitter account and our bullshit shiny uh, communication um, and, and we, we get to work uh, and that's, that's, that's possible. It can very well happen. Yeah, it's, it's hard to... Sorry, I walked away from my microphone. It's hard to um, assess these individual failures that you're talking about. I think if you, if you just look at the, 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 the mental aspect, you know... Rabio stuck to Verratti all game, right? Well, who the hell is? Why the hell isn't that fixed? I mean, by by the coach, yeah. Yeah, no, okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I, I know Rabio has positional deficiencies. We've been talking about this for two fucking years, but it's it's hard to look at that in a vacuum. Is all I'm saying, and I think it's fair to say that a lot of these players have lost the confidence, um, you know, that they have in the coach and the system, um, or yeah. that you know they're just not playing in a system that works. Um, so it's 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 hard to analyze these individual, um, you know, levels. Like saying, well, they're not good enough to start in big games right now. Well, we don't really know. It's just the the reason I say the reason I say that about Verratti is just because we've we've seen it for for a while. Um, Anyway, uh, Matt, you can go ahead. Okay, um, I think that I think Kieran sort of uh, summed it up really nicely there. Um, well, both Thank of you, you. Did actually, because I think <laughs> I think that um, until you know who the new coach is, it's kind of hard to say for definite who you know who should be binned off. Whether we need wholesale changes or whether we can basically get a bit more out of the bulk of this squad with a couple of additions. Um, I mean. I'd like to get rid of Alves personally, but I wasn't really big on Alves joining in the first place. And uh, as he's subsequently shown that the thing he's meant to be good at, he isn't very good at, i.e. playing well in the Champions League big games. Uh, I'd send him off to China or Brazil or anyone who will take him, basically. Um, I think I don't think that's going to happen, though, unfortunately. I think he'll still be hanging around next year, you know, acting bodyguard for Neymar and all that. So... Um, <laughs> Di Maria has probably run his race. I think we've seen him play well in Liga, but well, we don't need another player who can play well in Liga realistically for the sort of wages that he's commanding and and things like that. So I think if we lose him, lose Pastore, sadly, uh, and yeah, I don't know Ben Arthur. I don't know what happened to him. Hopefully, he'll just go away. <laughs> um, uh, 
I think then you free up a bit of money. Um, like I said earlier, I'd stick with Arioda. I think we probably all agree that we're quite well covered in defence. Um, obviously, Kazawa's, you know, a bit of a thing. Do we sort of try and move him along? I mean, I see he's uh, sort of his little response to being dropped for the mess game was just to post an emoji. So I don't know if him and Emery are just communicating purely by emoji now, but uh, that's probably not a good thing for the, uh, for the, for the team dynamic. So I think generally we're fine. I think it's just sorting the balance of the midfield out. We've probably got too many sort of too many attacking midfielders and not enough sort of solid midfield guys. And uh, it's just changing that over. And it's to what degree you change that over, really. I mean, clearly Motta's probably going to retire or or go somewhere else. Uh, but do you go beyond that? Do you try and move Verratti on? And I think um, a lot of that's going to be down to the new coach and what their plans are. And, you know, it's hard It's hard to say. I mean, Ben Arfa's contract is up. So that's actually, no, rumor is he's getting an extension. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. It's, it's, he's going to be our, uh, our official Instagram correspondent. He's going to be responsible <laughs> for all PSG Instagram uh, communication from now on. And still on 200,000 a week. Um, oh my god! Well, that's that's just one that's just one report that I saw. Maybe maybe it was lower. I don't know. It seemed like a stupid deal from the outset. What was I going to say? Right, Jardim. I just you know guys like Jardim. Uh, it's hard to say like because it's the same kind of promise that Emery showed. Right, it's like he's taking us a, a smaller club and making it huge. Um, so who knows? I, I don't want to commit the same mistake there in terms of hyping someone up. Uh, but yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt. Um, I meant to say about Jardim. I think that's a really interesting shout yeah, because I, I, I totally think forgot his name. What's uh, <laughs> um, I think his um, I think what he has over Emery is that he's you've seen with his Monaco team. He's basically built two different teams. He's built very, at first when he was in charge, they were really defensive and they were terrible, and they just had Bernardo Silva. Well, they weren't terrible, but they were really solid. And going forward, they were terrible. They just had like, Bernardo Silva buzzing around, and then he sort of. He sort of inherited all these like great young players, and they brought really well. And then he built a really good attacking team as well. So I think that versatility is makes him an interesting candidate, and yeah. in a lot of ways, a more interesting candidate than you know Roberto Mancini or all these other sort of you know standard guys who get mentioned whenever a big job comes up. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and we've seen him in the Champions League more than we ever saw Emery. Uh, go ahead, Louis, round us out. Um, I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to keep this very simple because Guillaume and uh, Matt did this really well, and you too, David, of course. But I mean, because you're coming in between. Um, how do I put this? There's, I, I talked earlier about having to be more intelligent, right, with this sort of four-year plan idea, and I think the one person, because we were talking about squad, squad depth, that symbolizes this would be Julian Draxler, because I really don't think we should sell Julian Draxler. I don't know if you guys remember, but two months before we signed him in January 2017. Um, Birgit signed a deal with Ericsson the um, the electronics company um, and you know they were doing to do some stuff about uh, the about stadium experience and whatnot but it was mainly because they would do um, player analytics and uh, fitness things right on the football side and this is where I think the club should be more intelligent because Julian Draxler was one of the most intelligent signings the club has made recently Draxler uh, uh, Julian Draxler and um, and Munier because those two, although Julian's, Julian Jackson's price tag was hefty, considering the market size and considering what he has brought to the club, I think it was a very good deal. Meunier, what he's brought to the club for 8 million euros, come in, was, is, is, is incredible. 
The greatest, um, the greatest purchase in footballing history, by the way. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, you're right. You have a good point there. Um, I just want to say that, like, the, the the club again puts his head down, blah blah. But mainly has to be intelligent. We 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 bought Draxler because we sent scouts out to three separate uh, Wolfsburg games, um, who then talked with Emery between each game to see how could you fit him in these different situations. And they got Ericsson to to bring up loads of not Ericsson the player, but Ericsson the company to bring up loads of stats around the player. And there you go, they made an intelligent purchase. And I just think that's this is what Piers should show. They should stop. They should stop this whole lingering early 2011 Qatari investment era of buying really expensive players for the sake of buying expensive players, which they did with Danny Alves, which they did with Neymar. Cool, we've got Neymar. Now let's calm down. And that's where I think they should build their base off. Of course, as I, I agree, we have to revamp the midfield and we have to add some depth and attack, maybe some good competition for Cavani. I mean, Chelsea just showed us how it's done. They bought Giroud. They showed us how to do competition. Giroud is not as good as Morata, but he is competition for Morata. End of story. Right. And it's going to make them both better. So there you go. I just think it's just it's a question of the club being more intelligent than squad dev. And right. of course, no, signing Ben Arthur to a three-year extension. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be Emery's last, last like, act oh, of he's, he's going to force <laughs> through the, the Ben Arthur contract <laughs> extension. <laughs> Diara on for Mbappe and 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 Ben first contract extension. Just in case, just in case everyone knows, I I hate this fucking country and this city. Um. Anyway. (laughs) Oh my word! He's gonna get bullied out of the airport so bad. Um. Golly, I just forgot my train of thought. (laughs) You mentioned you mentioned Ben Arfa. What was the last thing you said? Ben Arfa. Yeah, well, okay, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> the club being more intelligent with their purchases. I think this is where we rounded out. Okay, so you mentioned Giroud. That's a great point. So Giroud's okay. a smart buy. Morata looked like a smart buy. Morata underperforms all year. Giroud comes in. Yeah, you know, you're right. That lights a fire under under both of the players. However, who's starting at striker? It's 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 Hazard. So <laughs> it, it was it Pedro at some point? It was it was Pedro and now it's Hazard. So they're playing with a false nine despite having two target men on the bench. So And that's exactly I, why I want Julian Draxler to stay. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I think I I would be incredibly disappointed if we saw Draxler leave this club before the, the noodle man. Um, who's shown his who's shown his true form and that is that of the snake. The snake in the garden. I mean we, we, we still have a lot of things going on. For us, um, we just got Neymar and Mbappe. That's quite something. We need to build a team around these guys, a team that can supply them with a coach who does not live in a Disney movie, who actually gets a clue, has some charisma, and, and build a midfield to supply these guys. We have Gedesh, who's um, probably coming back because Valencia is dead broke and they're never going to afford him. We can offload a, a whole list of players for lots of cash, uh, even sell Verratti for a huge amount if needed. Uh, we, have, we have at least eight players as a core uh, starter. I'm going to list them quickly. Areola, Meunier, Marquinhos, Kimpembe. Okay, Verratti, Neymar, Mbappé, Cavani. There's Draxler, Rabio. Uh, and Kunku and um, even Ensoki, um, who could be on the bench. 
um, we just we don't need uh, unbelievable amount of work and geniuses to fix the problem the problem of the club next season. Um, any um, like Louis and most of you, any decent coach who can manage the lack of structure of the club and 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 he's I'm not a huge Nasser fan, and his president with a little bit of, of charisma will get the job done. So we can uh, hopefully have a balanced football team and stop being the freaking laughing stock of Europe. Yeah, jokers. Yeah. Um, um, all right, man. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. Um, it's just, uh, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, obviously, we did sign Neymar and Mbappe, but, you know, who's not going to do that if they have the chance to do it? You're yeah, absolutely. You're going to make those two deals happen. But at the same, if you do that, no, that doesn't just make you a good team overnight. I think that's a lot of the narrative around this Real Madrid game has really, really annoyed me because it's like, oh, PSG are rubbish, they smell this money, her, 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 so funny. But it's like, you know, <laughs> why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you spend that money if you could get those players? But, you know, it's going to take time. Like, it took Real Madrid after they signed Ronaldo five years to win the Champions League. Yeah, no, it's going to take time to get all yeah. the other bits of the jigsaw in place and it took them five years they were already Real Madrid like they're already like the winning the winningest isn't a word but you know the most successful team in Champions League history whereas we're sort of not on that level in any way so Good th point. these things all take time and I think some of the sort of criticism while there's a lot of criticism in level the PSG which has been completely fair and I mean we've just spent an hour sort of moaning about the team uh, a lot of it's been really unfair and really sort of just sort of you know, really basic level scoreboard journalism where you're just like, oh, they lost, so they must be terrible. Whereas, you know, things take time. And if you're judging yourself purely on the Champions League and knockout competition, there are so many intangibles which you can't control, which are going to dictate whether you're a success or failure. And if that's the only way you measure your success or failure, then, then you know, by definition, you're going to fail more times than you win because only one team can win it. I don't know, I'm rambling a bit here, but the point is, like, I think everything takes time, doesn't it? You know, building a team up, and I think with a couple of little tweaks, there's no reason we can't go a bit further next year. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good point to make, but Galacticos era, um, really, Kaká era Madrid is, is an extremely good comparison. Um, and, you know, with with the addendum that it, with Real Madrid, they're already, as you said, the winningest team. <laughs> and uh, um, they, had, they had five exits in a row. Round of 16. Yeah. Uh, five. Round of yeah. 16. Back to back to back to back to back. I forgot <laughs> the exact dates. Yeah, Madrid, Madrid fans were, were jumping yeah. out of the top of Bernabeu. Proportionally, they're still spending the, the same, you know, maybe not the same amount of money, but proportionally, they're spending, they're breaking records every year to sign these attackers, mm -hmm. you know. So it's, it's a good comparison. And although, although Matt is clearly still reeling uh, from that Twitter feud with, with Real Madrid Twitter, we're not going to be friends, me and all those guys, like <laughs> ever again. When they keep saying, oh, yeah, but we spent money on one Champions League in the last two years, it's like, yes, I know that. I'm aware of like basic football history. But just <laughs> like, read what I'm actually writing, you absolute idiots. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any Real Madrid fans are listening to this podcast realistically, so I'm probably okay. Well, this might actually hurt our chances of getting Ryan back. Uh, but oh yeah, okay. shit. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, he was right the whole time. Uh, lack of of basic um, mechanisms in midfield, of of triangular play, 
all that stuff, uh, he was right. Um, we, 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 Modric showed us all limits in a very, very harsh way, and Ryan Chase was right. Um, all right, I had one last question written. We've gone over a little bit, but, uh, well, you know, Guillaume's pontificate as host. Yeah, my, my fault, my fault. It's, it's, it's just rubbing off on me. So, <laughs> um, You'll get through it. You'll get through it. So, uh, I did have one more question. That's about the youth. We can do this very quickly um, because there's not a lot to this question. It's, it's pretty much the only optimistic part I can muster as, this, uh, as part of this outline. So what do you see in some of our youth talent that we've seen some of, you know, namely Chris and Kunku, Timwea? Uh, do we look more towards the academy as we move on from memory, as we shift some of the dead weight, especially in midfield, for example? We have a lot of talented midfielders who are probably going to leave. They don't play. Do you think they're ready for more action? You know, this can be as simple as, as yes or no, if you'd like. Go ahead, Guillaume. Well, they they, they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with um, uh, with Louis. I don't think, sorry, guys, where is, I may be wrong, prove me wrong. He's going to be anything big. Um, he's going to be a decent player, but not a, a huge star. And Kunku, and Louis was right again, he's a winger. And he adapted to different roles because he had to to get what? Uh, 200 minutes of play this season, but he showed quality. We, um, in in the youth years, he was the leader of the youth team and the the best player by far. Um, so, well, yeah, he's if he stays, he should stay. Um, Kimpembe is the most the nicest story of them all. He was an average player, has risen to the occasion. He's going to have a bright future. Areola. In the youth academy right now, there's a few, of course, because it's one of the best in um, in France, and the club is investing quite a lot, and that's um, that's a remarkable thing. Uh, there's a um, French-Turkish guy, Guklu. I don't know if my pronunciation is right. Is a is a striker. He's very promising. But we have one. We have a couple of pearls. We have Adli. We definitely needs uh, playtime, a midfielder. He really looks like a mix of Rabio and um, what is named the uh, Manchester City, Manchester United uh, uh, Belgian dude with the Afro. Fellini, Fellini, yeah, yeah. So he really looks like them. He's he's a bit more um, attacking. Yassin Adli, extremely interesting, yeah, interesting oh, yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have one absolute gem. Um, impossible to know if he's going to deliver, uh, which we stole from Barcelona. <laughs> he's a French, Spanish, Tunisian player. He's 16 years old. Uh, his, his name is Case Ruiz Atli, I think. And he's um, what the Italian call Fiori Classe, like uh. unbelievable talent, unfreaking believable talent. Hopefully, uh, we're going to start seeing him play a little bit next season. Um, but yeah, the, the Youth Academy is doing better and better. Uh, in the media, you read, ha, 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 Paris Saint-Germain cannot keep its youth player. And then you, you're like, well, uh, I'm sorry, what? Uh, we, have, we have plenty of uh, home ground players in the rotation. Um, of course, you cannot prevent some players from leaving the uh, before reaching professional level. There's no really good law at, at uh, French level and European level to prevent that. As a matter of fact, Zagadou left, and we tried to hold on to him. Now he's fourth central defender at Dortmund, 
Zero minute played. Well done, Zagadou. Excellent move. Bravo. And a round of applause for Zagadou. Um, so, no, we, we, we have um, a lot of things to, to look forward to in the, in, the, in the youth system. And again, the club investing 200 million euros is not a small thing. It's a decisive investment uh, in probably the biggest reservoir of talents uh, in the world, which is the Greater Paris area. Sure. Um, I'm just to be clear. I'm mentioning Wea because he's getting game time and because he's American oh, and the, of and, course. Also, and also the son of a head of state. So there's a lot <laughs> the son of a Ballon d'Or. Yeah, and the son of a Ballon d'Or and PSG hero. So there's a lot going on with Tim Wea. There is. Is yeah. there a lot going on on the pitch? I have no idea. I don't. I mean, honestly, the last he, maybe he will. Against, maybe he will. Against Mets, he didn't look that good. Just to be frank, but um, yeah, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, um, I wouldn't claim to be across all the massive uh, amount of talent in our academy at the moment, uh, but I think, uh, like Ian said, the area we're in and the amount of money we're putting into it, then sort of, there's no reason that he shouldn't produce players which can play regularly in the team. And indeed, I think there's probably not many teams at our level who have got sort of free youth team graduates who you can say are regulars in the team in Aviola, Kimpembe and um, Rabio. I think um, Nkunku is quite an interesting one. I think um, it's a shame that he hasn't been used more this season because to basically rotate people in and out, I just don't really understand why why he hasn't had a bit more game time because I think he looks more than capable of uh, certainly in the league on games filling in. Um, and I think, yeah, it'd be good to be interested to see if um, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, but um, if Gorgen Kuhn Gorgen, right? Oh, Can yeah. Jo- jo- right back. Georgian. We, we forgot Caligari. Caligari. It'll be interesting. Caligari, has he signed a contract yet? Because there was sort of talk that yes. he might be. Yeah. I, yes. I, I think he has. I believe okay. So. I believe Caligari and, and Georgian, I think, both signed at the same time last year. Okay. Um, well, anyway, I think I'd quite like to see him back. I'd, as previously stated, get rid of Alves and have Mounier and... Uh, with with Gorgon as backup, I think that'd be interesting. But um, yeah, um, I, it will depend on who the new manager is, and also the sort of the attitude of the club. Because if we continue to be this like Galactico-led club, then you know, I I I fail to see how anything's going to change. Really, I think we, I think probably Emery's been a bit better than Blanc in terms of bringing the young players in, but not sort of significantly better. And uh, I, you know. If, if we continue to have this attitude of we need to sign big stars every summer, then uh, it's, I think it's going to be sort of sporadic progress for the young players. But also, quickly, sorry, on the um, on the sort of Zagadou thing, no one will ever convince me that Kingsley Coman was right to leave. I mean, he made that big fuss about needing to go to get more game time, but I mean, he's not really been a regular at Juventus or uh, um, Bayern, has he? And I think if he'd stayed... He would have probably played at least as many games as um, as he has by going away. And I just think those young guys, they just think they think they deserve everything sometimes uh, just because they've signed their first professional contract. Whereas that's not, not how it works at a big club, is it? If you're at a big club, you've got to have a big club mentality and think that you need to earn your place in the team, not just because you're a sort of a prodigious talent that you're just going to walk straight into the side. Right. Um, Louis, you want to give us the last response of the evening? Oof, uh, 
Heavy duty. Um, no, I mean, there's there's not much to say. I, I, I was I was hoping I could rant about Nkunku as much as I love to, but because I I just love this I love this little kid. He's he's fantastic. He's fantastic. He's great. Um, but you guys you guys really um, proved my point there against Miss. He showed what he's made of, and I just hope that he'll continue getting starts with the uh, the end of the year and with the new coach, and hopefully that will be in his natural position on left wing. Um, but to be honest, there's not much to be added because as as it's it's just a very difficult balance. A getting youth players into the first team when you are competing for the Champions League, and B getting youth players into the first team and keeping youth players with either the first team or the youth team when you have the biggest reservoir of talent in the world, essentially. Because because honestly, Ile de France now with clubs opening up everywhere has surpassed Sao Paulo, um, and that that's. I, I don't think as much as much as to add. I mean, of course, our youth talent is crazy amazing. And hopefully, because um, I, I read a very obscure and small article about this, hopefully we will be either signing or working with the former NOT head of recruitment. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, NOT, NOT basically were the first club in the world to do this really smart, well, one of the, the first big club in the world to do this really smart project of essentially... Um, reaching out to all the small clubs in the region saying, hey, look, we'll fund you as long as you give us your good play- as long as you give us your good youth players. And other European clubs started doing it, Werder Bremen and my favourite FC, Michelin in Denmark. They started doing this and it worked really well for them. If PSG figure this out with clubs in Ile-de-France who probably won't need a lot of financial incentive, then they, they have lots more players on their hands. And I, I just can't stress enough how many amazing players there are in the region. So, and, and again, I just have to add, you know, with the new... Um, with a new training center being built, which um, from where I live is 500 meters as the crow flies, um, it's it's huge. It's genuinely going to be big and impressive, uh, and that, that just means more room for an academy. So I'd say that's where the future is most bright. And if the club does do well in the next four years, and they do win the Champions League, and they do convince the Qataris to keep spending, and thus have a really successful youth academy, that's where you build the foundations for a Barcelona-esque legacy. Well. Thank you so much, Louis, for the first true, honest optimism we have had all podcasts. That is the best ending I could have asked for. You know, I'm, I'm sorry I've been a little slow. It was daylight savings, you know, it just messes you up. But that, that made it all worthwhile. Um, God, you know, you can almost see it. I almost see being happy as a, as a fan. <laughs> Um, no, I mean again, again, it's more the the way the club handled that game, which was ridiculous, and and I that that took the I don't know the joy out of myself as I'm normally a bit more positive, and I'm still digesting that. That was ridiculous. Well, hang you, on, hang we, on. You know, way too early, clueless. Uh, but like we all agree, I mean, there's many, many, many wonderful things about this club um, and, and assets. Um, and next season could be quite uh, way more positive story, but it's going to take time. It's going to take a few years. Uh, I'd say three years is a reasonable um, deadline <laughs> to reach the final stages of the Champions League and maybe win it. At least a semi-final. By in mm. years, at least a semi-final. At least we'll, we'll get. If we'll we get don't draw, draw, if we don't draw Real Madrid and Barcelona on a regular basis in the round of sixteen, yeah, all the all the quarterfinals like we have for the past six years, you know, um, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to 
don't worry, David. I'm not going to go into a long tirade and, 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 and add 10 minutes to the podcast. But also, we've been extremely, extremely uh, unlucky drawing these teams. We would have reached already semis and you know gotten beaten by Real and Barcelona like anyone else. Nobody would make fun of Paris Saint-Germain. It'd be like, yeah, all right. You know, you guys need more time. Yeah, we do. I mean, no, look, I... It's always like, okay, you need to beat the best to be the best. Fuck you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> In the final game, yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll draw exactly. Porto one of these days, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Give us a fucking... Real Madrid, what was Real Madrid's route to the Champions League? Wasn't it ridiculous? The what? Real Madrid's route to the Champions League final uh, two years oh, ago. Just, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Dumb. Yeah, fucking, what was it? Schalke, Wolfsburg, you know. <laughs> come on. And that Lee Rosani Schalke game three years ago, Christ Almighty! The yeah. year we finish first on our group, we get we get yeah. Real Madrid, and the second gets Besiktas. Come, yeah. oh, <laughs> no, Besiktas would have beat us for sure. Anyway, thanks for thanks to our panel here uh, for helping us work through our grief. This is an important part of the grieving process, after all. Uh, thank you to all the listeners uh, for keeping us going. I encourage everyone who enjoys the podcast to check out our website, psgtalk.com. If somehow you've only managed to see one or the other, then please, this is a, this is a complete package. Um, if you're so inclined, uh, take a peek at our revamped Patreon page. Uh, to all of our current Patreon supporters, thank you so much for helping this project thank you. along. Um, every little bit helps, and you know we're, we're, we're chugging along. It's going to be a boring few months, but we'll we'll try to keep it interesting <laughs> with some comments. Yeah, that's just a World Cup coming up. Who cares? France is going to win it, and you know. Yeah. Oh la la! Belgium's got Meunier. Oh. <laughs> We've got Meunier. Thomas Meunier. Just don't think he's better. It's going to be a great World Cup. Great World Let's Cup. Put that I'm on my fucking tombstone. Meunier was better than Zidane. <laughs>